So when the gospel comes in and gives you faith that Christ forgives you all your sin and raises you from the dead, you are no longer in the old creation. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Scripture First, the podcast that explores how the Lutheran lectionary is working in your life. I'm your host, Mason Van Essen. For the first time in Scripture First, we're venturing outside of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John to break down the traditional Pentecost Sunday text in Acts. Many people from many nations who spoke many languages were in Jerusalem for a harvest festival when suddenly divided tongues, as of fire, appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. The Holy Spirit gave these people the power to preach the gospel in their native tongues, and, as a shock to those who heard it, they understood what everyone else was saying too. I can't wait for you to hear Dr. Chris Krogan's explanation of what happens when the Holy Spirit comes to us. But first, here's Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 21. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, from heaven, there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues, as of fire, appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak in other languages, as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem, and at this sound the crowd gathered and was bewildered, because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear, each of us, in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and other parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own languages we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, They are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my Spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heaven above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire, and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness, and the moon to blood, before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
And now on to this week's conversation. Welcome back to Scripture First. We have Dr. Chris Krogan with us this week. Thanks for being here, Dr. Krogan. Great to be back. It's Pentecost Sunday, uh, and I don't know if we've done a l- lesson outside the gospel. Right. This but, is our yeah, first time, the first time we've been from the Which the seems surprising if we, because Pentecost Sunday comes every year. Maybe we have. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't know. I'll, I'll put done. it in the show notes. We'll, we'll figure it out. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, we're looking at Acts uh, 2, uh, mm-hmm. which is the traditional Pentecost uh, text, and it starts, when the day of Pentecost had come, and the first question is, well, what... Uh, what is the day of Pentecost? What is yeah. Pentecost? So the day of Pentecost, 50 days after the Passover in the Jewish festival, and it's actually was a festival of harvest with wheat was primarily, but also Pentecost was an understanding of that this was when Moses received um, the law, which is an important point to say right here is that this is now going to be undone, that the day of Pentecost isn't going to be about everybody celebrating the law, but it's going to be something very different, which is what's going to happen here as we go through the text. So they're all together. Yep. Uh, there's some drama uh, that is uh, suddenly from heaven, there came a cloud or mm-hmm. I'm sorry, a sound <laughs> like a rush of violent wind and it filled mm-hmm. the entire house when they were sitting. And then it says divided tongues as a fire appeared. Yep. And so there's something important here on the divided tongues as a fire because some speaking is going to happen. And, and that actually relates back to the day of Pentecost for the Jews. Because what happened with the Jews on the day of Pentecost is everybody came to uh, Jerusalem to celebrate. And they were supposed to then give an offering. But in order for their offering to be rightly received, it had, there had to be a, some words spoken in Hebrew from Deuteronomy. And so there were people from all sorts of nations coming. And when they came, their proper offering had to be said in Hebrew. And so this is why it's going to be very important. This tongues of fire, there's going to be tongues is the way um, we know speech. And fire is often what is a prophetic. So when we see um, uh, the prophets and when Moses is at the bush, Fire is part of God speaking. The angels in the Psalms, they are understood as fire. So there's some imagery here that the author Luke is doing here in Acts of these tongues. There's going to be some speaking that comes straight out of the mouth of God, word of God. So that's what's happening with the tongues of fire. So is that a literary tool to depict God speaking or does God speaking literally look like fire? Well, this is, this is what it has been in the Old Testament is when Moses runs into God speaking, it's the burning bush. Mm-hmm. That, and so these are images that, is there, that Luke's recalling coming out of the Old Testament. And then when the angels are speaking and preaching, they are, so an angel remembers a messenger. So when God's word comes out often, in the Old Testament, it's been with the image of fire. Yes. Yeah. So, so then, then it continues. Um, they, as a fire, appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Right. It's interesting. So the church, one of the churches I've gone to, I th- and I think it was this actually, to depict this, the 
the preacher that Sunday would be preaching this, and all of a sudden they must have coordinated it before time beforehand. Mm-hmm. But they would have members of the congregation who spoke different languages mm-hmm. just start mumbling and talking in the congregation <laughs> in their different languages. Mm-hmm. And the first time I heard this, I was like, "This is so rude! <laughs> who is talking? Shut up! Right? <laughs> Someone is preaching! <laughs> right? <laughs> but that's what they were doing. It was very confusing. It is very confusing, and, and <laughs> it's a it. it I, I but it was it was memorable. I it's mean. memorable, and and, and what it's it's actually trying to re um, enact what yeah. happened. Okay, I don't recommend it for a service <laughs> because the Apostle Paul actually says, "Speak in the tongue that the people can understand." Mm-hmm. And this is actually one of the challenges that congregations have is when they have somebody stand up and they pray in their native language and nobody else understands it. That's not good good practice either. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it had, for dramatic effect, it is kind of what was going on. But note, there were people in the audience that understood the language at that time. And what they should be saying is actually the gospel. Mm-hmm. And so it should be a spoken word of gospel. So it they all should be saying basically the same thing. Jesus Christ crucified, raised from the dead, forgives your sin mm-hmm. in their native tongue. And so that's what should be spoken, not just jibber jabber. I what, think you that's know. what they said. From what I could hear, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I understood it, yeah. all but of those. I it, think it's important to also <laughs> note that what's a little bit more dramatic is that suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, yep. and divided tongues rested on each of them. Yeah, I mean that's a a pretty dramatic image. Right. Uh, other there, than people speaking in different yeah, languages. And there's a, there's a power there because these were all Jews from Judea who weren't from far off lands that had, you know, taken their latest language course at college, right? Mm-hmm. So they didn't know. And all of a sudden, boom. So this is a really a pretty serious act of power. Mm-hmm. And so it lands on them, which is what the Holy Spirit does, is it gets into your ear. It mm-hmm. forgives you your sin, and then all of a sudden you have a sermon on your lips. Mm-hmm. In this instance, it was a miraculous way of saying it in a language that could be understood by people that you didn't know. So that's that's part of what's going on here with this. And so they're speaking in these other languages. Now, the other piece with this is what they were speaking was not the law. So the other languages, like I said, these are important because these are people from all around the globe coming for this specific festival to do a sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden they're hearing something very different, not the law, not sacrifice, but the gospel. And so it's kind of a double contradiction. Not They're not telling you to sacrifice and they're not making you say it in the Hebrew language. So there's really a kind of a turning things upside down, inside out here in this text, which if you don't really understand what had been going on for Pentecost in the Jewish festival, this stuff doesn't seem so radical, but it's really quite radical mm-hmm. against what's going on in general. Yeah. yeah. So in uh, uh, verse five, yep. uh, now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem and kind of what you were saying before, Dr. Krogan. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each of each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. So they were, it wasn't just strange languages no. that are unrecognizable or unknowable. It was they're they recognized they recognized yeah. them yeah. as their own. Right, and so this is this is also another thing is this is not what a lot of people say in like Pentecostal churches where you have you know a. a uh, speaking in tongues that actually isn't in the language. Yeah. And so when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we understand the Holy Spirit came and spoke in a legitimate language that other people are going to understand. 
And so that's, that's part, but what they're speaking also is the gospel, not the latest news flash or anything like that. Or like meaningless. Yeah. Gobbledygook. Yep. Exactly. Throwing the head back. Nope. We hate gobbledygook. Yep. (laughs) Okay. So then it continues. Amazed and astonished. They asked, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native languages? And then they just list them out. Yep. They list out a lot of different um, countries and states that I cannot pronounce. Yeah. So there, there's a bunch of, yeah, there's a whole list of all the nations, the different um, people that had come from all over. But they are amazed and astonished um, that these Hebrew speakers are actually telling them the gospel. And that's what's really important is they've got the word, the, they have the word of God outside of Hebrew. And so that's part of the amazement as well yeah. is, you know, we can actually hear God's speaking to us in our own native tongue. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's, that's different. That's not typical. So when they're saying, and how is it that we hear, they're saying, how is it that we hear the gospel? How is it we hear God speaking to us okay. in our own dialect, in our own language? I mean, that is amazing. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They all spoke Hebrew, and you're hearing it in your own language? Yep, exactly. Like it, it, it's revolutionary that God's word now comes outside of his chosen people of the Hebrew language. Yep. And as you said, it wasn't not, it's not just merely that they're speaking in uh, the new language, but what it is they're saying. Exactly. And so they were given the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is to deliver the gospel to them. Mm-hmm. And so that's what getting the Holy Spirit is going to do for them. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then skipping down to what verse 11, yep. um, it said, Christians and Arabs in our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. Mm-hmm. What is a deeds of power? Now, remember, um, the ascension had just happened, which means it was just after the resurrection. And the deeds of power is that, and this is what Peter's going to now preach after this text, the very first sermon that comes out of Peter's mouth after they've been all convicted by this is Jesus Christ, you killed him Mm -hmm. and he was raised from the dead and reconciles you to God now. Mm -hmm. So that's the deed of power is that everybody recognizes that something happened with this resurrected Jesus and he's now delivering the goods to people. Jesus is, he's forgiving sins. So that's the power that has been happening is death, the devil and sin has been defeated. So it's not a lot of people when they think of the Holy Spirit, they're thinking, oh, wow, I can now make somebody walk or yeah. I can, you know, do something mir- miraculous, you know, with that's not what or the Holy Spirit does. I'm going to be empowered that it's uh, giving mm-hmm. some sort of power. Yep. Back to me. Back to you. Back to you. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Which is what the difference, what we talk about is the difference, you know, spirit, flesh differences here. And Luther has a nice little thing when he's doing his preface to the Romans, the distinction between spirit and flesh. You can be very fleshy if you're off meditating. We've probably talked this about this before. If you're off doing spiritual exercises, if you're um, in your room trying to get closer to God by doing some sort of, you know, going on a labyrinth or something, that can be very fleshy, Luther says, because you're doing it for your own self-interest. Mm-hmm. Spiritual is something that you're doing for the sake of um, promoting the gospel and your neighbor's needs. Mm-hmm. And so this is why the power is actually, oh, wow, my neighbor's benefiting from this gospel. And that's important too, because everyone assumes that spirituality is like atmospheric. Yep. 
Whereas it's in reality, it's serving your neighbor. It's grounded. Mm -hmm. It's real life. It's in front of you. It's the blood, sweat, tears that are being asked of you. Spirituality is being freed to not try to become something you're not. not Most freed to not have to become spiritual. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Free to not trying to escape this world or escape your knees or escape the daily life. That's spiritual is to be freed to live as a creature, as the human God made you. That's spiritual as opposed to trying to transcend. That's what a lot of people think of spirituality is transcending Mm -hmm. your earthly existence. Yep. So they're um, first amazed, uh, or at least some of them are amazed. And then it says, but others sneered and they uh, chopped it up. They're filled with new wine, (laughs) which I don't know what kind of wine (laughs) does that. Yeah. so, but the, the, educates you. Yeah, <laughs> that gives you a new language. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. No, it, well, it probably gives you language, but not always exactly. ones that, language that people like. At least that's not been my experience from people <laughs> or myself sometimes. But what's interesting here is when Christ is proclaimed. Note they were telling everybody the gospel. Mm-hmm. This does not necessarily mean everybody um, all of a sudden likes it. So even Jesus' resurrection, his bodily resurrection, witness to it doesn't make people, everybody excited and happy. This is really important. So some people are hearing this miraculous deed of power and they're upset. Why? Because they're not in charge or it wasn't given to them or they just literally have their hearts hardened. So that's a very important part. So you'll have people that oppose the gospel, even though Christ is been right there and people are saying no it's just about your forgiveness no i don't like it i don't need it yep it's just the wine just the wine <laughs> there people are you know who are you say <laughs> <laughs> well and then it's interesting if you continue in the next paragraph it's actually peter who addresses the crowd yep peter's the one who kind of starts to set them straight mm-hmm. um he raises his voice Um, and says, and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. Yep. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. And then he quotes, in the last days it will be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Mm -hmm. Yep. And so, again, this is why that spirit flesh distinction that we just talked about is right here. I will pour out my spirit, which is my peace is going to be given to you on your flesh. So you're no longer worried about living in this old creation. You're no longer worried about yourself. You're no longer worried about self-preservation or how you're going to make it. And so this is what Joel is talking about is the spirit comes in and removes you from self-consciousness, removes you from your judgment being judged or needing to judge in order to survive. This is an important prophecy that Joel has, and Peter's saying, this is what happened when Christ came, and now the Holy Spirit come and doing this to all of us. So um, I guess the other question might, might be, this is admitting, or this is saying that this is the last days too. Cause, yep. uh, and Absolutely. What, I get, what does that mean? It sounds... In the last days, it yeah. will be. It will be, it yes. It will be. So when this... when all of us are in the moment of faith. That is to say, we are freed. We are no longer under what we'd call the accusation of the law. So when the gospel comes in 
and gives you faith that Christ forgives you all your sin and raises you from the dead, you are no longer in the old creation. Now, that's not permanent for us today because we'll walk out of this podcast and the old creation will come back and say, oh, you didn't do a very good job today, right? But in the moment of hearing the gospel, you have what we call the breaking in of the kingdom. And so when that kingdom breaks in, it ends the law, and that is the new creation, which is the last day. And remember, we've talked about this in the past. In eternity, there is no time. Mm -hmm. You are in eternity when you have faith. That is to say, you have the foretaste of the feast to come. You are freed from the worry of time. How much time do I left? Do I have time to make up for it? All that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And so this is the, literally the last days for you when you are freed in faith. Time is up. There's no more days. It's There's no more days. You, ju you just get to, you just get to live. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you just yep. get to live. Yeah. And that could, you know, that could happen to you early in your life. Or exactly. It could happen to you in yep. the last day of your life. In, in, in your last days of having to worry about yep. being a yep. preacher. And this is why it finally ends. We are freed from the law at death. It mm -hmm. does its, we're, we're no longer, so that's, we're resting in peace. Mm -hmm. Yep. And so that's, that gets us down to the very end, which is really the, the, the most important part of this text, because everything's been setting up for this. Because what happens then when the Holy Spirit comes to us is it actually gives us a word mm -hmm. in our ear that we now call upon. Mm -hmm. His name is Jesus. His name is mercy. Okay. Now, so what this is important is a lot of people will take this verse, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And they make it a um, kind of a causation that if I do this, that's what's going to happen. That's not actually the best way to hear this. It's not a causation, a cause and effect kind of thing. It's when you are given the gospel, and out of your mouth comes the word Jesus, you are now at peace with God. And so it's more of a, as a result of this, you are, you are now saved. So as a result of the Spirit coming and sending you a preacher, and it says, look, all your sin is forgiven, you are raised from the dead, you are saved because of for Christ's sake. And what does saved mean? You are comfortable in your own skin. This goes back to that flesh and spirit distinction. When you are in the spirit, you are comfortable with your creatureliness. You're not trying to become something you're not. You're not transcending yourself. You're actually not worried about how other people think of you or whether or not you're going to make it or if you're going to have enough daily bread. You are saved. And who saves you? Jesus, because he removes that accusation and that worry for eternal life. And on that note, we've reached the end of this week's episode, my friends. Thank you to Dr. Chris Krogan for teaching us what was demonstrated in today's text. What happens when the Holy Spirit comes to you? The Spirit gives us a word in our ear that we can call upon. His name is Jesus. Mercy. He forgives you your sin, and now you have a sermon on your lips. Luther House of Studies' mission is to strengthen Lutheran leadership and ministries for the proclamation of the gospel. We wouldn't be able to serve current and future ministry professionals, as well as members of the church, without the generous support of people just like you. If you, 
or your congregation is interested in sponsoring an episode of Scripture First, please send our co-director, Sarah Stenson, an email at sarah.stenson at lutherhouseofstudy.org. That's sarah.stenson at lutherhouseofstudy.org. You can find our email in the show notes or find more information about supporting Luther House of Study at lutherhouseofstudy.org. Thanks again for joining us this week. Remember, the Spirit is now in your ear. We'll see you next time on Scripture First.